Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside the great Gangster Pete. What's up, Gangster Pete? What's up, man? There he is, Gangster Pete. Uh, we are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, the Home Loan Expert, Ryan Kelly, who I just refinanced with, oh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, I guess it was at this point, and saved myself 20% on my payment. Yep, you can do the same thing. Go to the HomeLoanExpert.com or... You are looking to buy a home. Go to the homeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. And now I can say I am a client. I had already sent my sister to him, but now I am a client as well. Doug Vaughn has refinanced with Ryan Kelly. You can do the same. It really, it was so easy. That's the thing I just want to make sure I emphasize. It was so easy. The homeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show. Gangster Pete, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm making it. What's What's your situation? Let me talk you through this. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of, I'm just kind of bummed out. Kind of sucks coming here and not seeing Plowsy in the morning and the cat. You miss the Plowhawk and you miss the cat. Yeah, we all do. I miss my boys. We all do. Um, we have questions about the Plowhawk. We have questions about the cat. We have questions about whatever. People are welcome to, I don't, I don't know. On the fan page, I post it and then people send the emails. So they don't usually post the questions on the fan page. Although I see somebody asked me to play golf with them on the fan page. That was a question <laughs> I received. Uh, but the questions come in via email. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, and I see we have uh, a good amount here. Wow. A whole lot of a good amount. Um, and let's see. I will start with ones that came in. Oh, I don't know. Let's start. End of June. Uh, let's see. Um, Tim, first off, if you read this, thanks for your time. A bit of background, I'm a 44-year-old guy from Iowa who moved to St. Louis after college in 1999. I'm a structural engineer at Boeing. I've been listening to TMA in the morning grind since the beginning. 16 years, Gangster Pete. It'll be 16 years here, like in a week. Uh, I've never missed a segment or an episode. I've never been to do a TMA Live. I've occasionally emailed and texted into the show. I want to say that your quote-unquote stupid show has provided me with more enjoyment than any other media has for the past nearly 20 years. I don't stream the show live, but start the podcast every day around 10.30, and it's one of the best parts of my day. Your show has had me in tears laughing at my desk at work more times than I can possibly remember. Since we are roughly the same age, graduating high school, 94, college, 99, I've always thought of listening to you on the radio as I would one of my friends growing up. The latest news about the show has me very sad. I probably don't know the limits you have gone to save this show. If TMA is wrapping up, I wanted to let you know how much it's been a part of my life. In a serious world, being able to listen to smart people about the dumbest topics has always <laughs> brightened my day. That's a nice way of summing up. Yep, pretty good. One question I've always wanted to ask. You've always said that the show is the six people on it, and they are the family, and no one messes with the family. Yet there have been numerous times over the years where people from the family have been let go or messed with. Uh, again, I know nothing about the radio business, and I'm sorry if I'm overstepping, but I've always wondered why the contract to broadcast the show does not include the fact that everyone must remain on the show. I believe you said that Frank Opinion basically brokers his airtime and sells the show himself. Are the people on the show also employed by 590? Uh, or since he has a different setup, he alone controls, pays who is and who isn't on his show. Again, sorry if my questions are idiotic and this email is a bit rambling. You've always said that listeners are free to reach out to you since I've been a listener for darn near half my life. thought it was time to reach out and tell how grateful and thankful I am for the content you've created and provided. Thanks for your time. That's from Howard Thompson. Gives a full name and everything. 
Well, uh, you know, it's it's a good question because I like to try to explain whatever I can without kind of getting into a spot where I would be um, violating, you know, code, so to speak. Um, so I think I think it was brought up on last week's questions from the audience because this is what everybody wants to talk about, and I have to, you know, walk a, a line of, of some capacity um, because again, there's a there's a there's a bigger goal, but. Uh, what I would say is, um, I think people assume some things that aren't accurate, um, such as contracts. Uh, it's not my place to, it certainly isn't my place to talk about any other shows. That's, that's, that's that. And also, uh, just to be fully transparent, I don't know what the arrangement is, um, with other shows. I have an idea, but I don't know. And even if I did know, it wouldn't be my place to talk about it because it's just not something I have anything to do with, um, with regard to TMA, I think there, I, well, I don't think I've read oftentimes things that I read, but I can't get involved in the conversation where people are, um, speculating and they're not saying that they know that's when I would jump in, but they're speculating things regarding contracts or negotiations. And it just across the board, I can tell you this across the board, you have been wrong. Um, it's, it's, that's, that's actually, I am in a position to say that isn't across the board because I know the situation. Um, so that is, that's one of those things that's not accurate. Um, and with regard to what is in my contract, that is not something, uh, that I think would be in the best interest to, to get into all outside of, I'll just say that I am under contract through the end of 2021 with KFNS. Um, because oftentimes people have said, well, why don't you just go to podcasts? And I'm like, I understand. I have a number of people, uh, some of whom advise me on a regular basis, who say, yeah, just go to podcast. And I said, okay, well, maybe we will, but, you know, I'm under contract through the end of 2021. So I like to say these things just for the purpose of explaining it to those who say things like that, which I know they're asking. They're asking questions. Um, but then ideally, at that point, then you understand why some things are not um, options. Uh, so, I, you know, I want to make make that clear. Um you know, station management uh, says that uh, Jim Hayes and Darren Atkins have been furloughed. So that is that is the situation with um, with TMA at this moment. With regard to what has been written about in the newspaper, um, as I've said on the radio, you know, so often, I mean, so I don't know how many times I've been a part of it, much less things where I'm somewhat aware, but I also know they're not in the newspaper. Uh negotiations. This, this is, this is a, a difficult spot just because it, it was put in the newspaper and, uh, we specifically had a confidentiality clause put into to the letter of intent so that we could handle something that, you know, everybody wanted to get done without it being, um, you know, a, a, a public topic, but you know, here we are, and this is the world that we currently inhabit. And so I'll, I'll navigate it as well as I can. Um, but uh, it's something that we are still interested in accomplishing. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's as much as I, at this moment, am going to say. So um, that's, you know, I, I know it's not what everybody wants. I hope, but I can't control it either. I hope that everybody um, respects the, the thought process behind handling it this way. Um, because it's not, it's not intentionally... Um, it's not done to be cryptic. It's done 
you know, because this, this is the way that I think is the best way to handle it. But at the same time, if I'm an audience member, I'm going, well, what happened? I've loved this show, in your case, Howard, for, you know, since the beginning, since July of 2004. And you're going, where are, you know, a third of the people on the show? I understand. And all I can do is tell you that station management says that they are furloughed. So that is, that's, that's, that's what I can tell you. Um, so as far as anything else, you know, ideally, uh, we're all back together and, uh, and doing what we've been doing, you know, the cat and I since 2004, Doug and I since 2007, uh, and Iggy has been on and off over the course of the years and, uh, Plowhawk since 2014 and Pete since 2018. So ideally that, that, that's what, that's what happens. Um, and I understand the questions, um, you know, with regard to owning the show inside STL owns the content of the show, but we license the content to KFNS to distribute and sell. So we own the content, but KFNS has the rights to license and sell it. And so, uh, all six people on TMA are employees of KFNS, not inside STL. And I think understandably, some people are, are confused by that. Uh, you know, if and when we uh, do, uh, you know, have a significant transaction, I think it, it would be in the best interest. Um, and I think uh, I think anybody, either a part of our group or, you know, um, KFNS, I think, whoever, even on the outside looking in, we have nothing to do with it. Yeah, it would make sense for everything to be under one roof. Everything. So everything is going into one pot. Uh, and, uh, and that certainly would be my goal should it ever happen. But, uh, that's something that I want to, uh, you know, to try to answer those questions because people wonder some things and some things are just misnomers and, uh, and then they just become truths because you see them over and over again when in reality, that's uh, not the case. Gangster Pete, I, I realize you probably don't want to get involved in this conversation, but nonetheless, I will, I will yield to you in case you feel like there wasn't anything answered that you know I can answer. No, I mean, I understand why people want to know. I'd want to know too. Right. But then, uh, I know that you can't say certain things and I know why. So right. I can just vouch what you're saying. Yes. And I know too much, so I can't say. Anything. Right. No, I know. And I understand your spot, obviously. Uh, so it's just, it's one of those things. It's just, like I said, in, in a, per, you know, the one that I draw an analogy to just because I lived it. And I think most of the people listening are aware of this. Although I know there are a large number of people who don't even know we were on 920 because they just started listening recently. Uh, and then there's some people listening to the podcast who don't listen to TMA. When we did the deal with 920, which at this point now is more than seven years ago, it was something that nobody knew about until literally, God, less than 24 hours, I announced it on the radio, uh, actually close to 12 hours, because we announced it at 7 o'clock in the morning on our last day at KFNS, which again, as you might imagine, was strategic because we know what would have happened. You picture the 590, the man, 1380, the woman thing. If we would have announced that we were going somewhere else, what do you think would have happened? So on our last day, we handled it that way. Um, so again, I guess what I would, would add, not, but I don't even feel like I'm even catching hell from anybody on it. I think people understand it's a unique situation and that there are reasons for things, even if I can't at this moment explain the reasons. And it's uh, one of those things where, yeah, you know what, over X amount of years, the track record is there, that it's truthful and that there are reasons. And if there was a spot where we could talk about it, we would, but you know, we're acting for, like I said, a, uh, a, a greater goal. But I also understand just by doing this podcast, which is essentially the listeners interacting and asking, and they're asked to ask whatever, 
uh, that this is what people want to talk about. And that's what a lot of the emails that I've gotten are about. So anytime something comes up more often than not, I want to be able to try to, uh, to, to answer it. So, um, hopefully that answers, uh, hopefully that answers the question, Howard. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hey Tim, we are really living in some strange times and things keep getting stranger. Recently, there's been some speculation that Trump may jump out of the drop, drop out of the presidential race. If he thinks he can't win democratic strategist, James Carville was promoting that idea recently. I'm not sure it will happen, but what would you put the odds at today? As a follow-up, since much of the Democratic strategy has been to defeat Trump by almost any means necessary, if he did drop out, would that change who most Democrats would prefer as a candidate? This could set up a scenario where neither Trump nor Biden wins in November. Love the show. That's from Not Caller Adam. Gangster Pete, uh, as I think you would uh, attest to, this has been my play since I think January or February of this year. Right. Not to say that neither Trump nor Biden will win because I wasn't saying that in February because it didn't look like Biden was going to be the nominee. But once he became the nominee, I said, I think there's value on neither one of those gentlemen being inaugurated in January of 2021. That's that's what I think. And I still think there's value on that. I still think there's value on that. Uh, What is your opinion, sir? Yeah, I don't see Trump dropping out. But I, oh, I, I, I could see it. I don't know if I'd consider it likely. Like, are you saying a zero percent? No, like, not zero. I yeah. just I just don't think it'll happen. And then, uh, I mean, most people I talk to aren't happy with either choice. So, I mean, obviously, I think people want another option. I just don't know he is, how I, it's going to happen. I've ta- I thought about posting this on the fan page. Where I'm just like, I'm not going to mess with it. Then I thought about talking about it on TMA. And then it's just like, I absolutely can't do that. Uh, but have you been monitoring the odds on Bovada? Yeah, I saw they've been moving uh, in Biden's favor lately. I mean, not just, it's overwhelming. Right. I believe it was January or February where I was saying that uh, Trump was minus 160. And I know he was at least minus 160. This is not, this is not bullshit. That's that's what it was. And I would post the odds. Um, Well, now... Uh, Joe Biden is minus 150. So it's happened that quickly. It's been, it's been happening kind of, uh, steadily where it was about even. And now over the last like three weeks, it's gone from minus 120 to minus 150. Uh, Trump is plus 135. Hillary Clinton is in third still. I'm just, I never get this. Hillary Clinton's at plus 5,000. Kanye West, however, is plus 6,000 ahead of Mike Pence at plus 6,600. I mean, what in the world? I gotta be honest with you. There's value on Mike Pence. Yeah. There's, I mean, not, not because I, when I, when I say when I, there's value, and I'm, I'm talking to like the 2% of people who don't know what I'm saying, and I don't even know why I bother, but not saying I think Mike Pence will be president. I'm saying you're being told 66 to one is the, is the math on that. And I'm telling you, I think it is better than 66 to one that he will win the presidency. I'm not saying he, it's even 50 to one. I'm just saying, I think it's better than 66 to one, which therefore means it is, it is uh, a value for the record. That means it is a one and a half percent chance that Mike Pence is president. It wins the presidency. And I would tell you that that has value. I, I think, I think in July, actually of almost any presidential election, it might be worth throwing whatever dollar figure you're comfortable on, on the vice president, just cause it could happen. 
That could happen. Hillary Clinton and Yeezy, I don't see it <laughs> happening. But Biden, Trump, Pence, yeah. Uh, there's there's value on Pence at 6,600. Michelle Obama plus 8,000. Andrew Cuomo plus 15,000. Nikki Haley plus 15,000. Um, yeah, if something happened where Trump uh, resigned uh, for whatever reason, you know, and, and for the record, because I, I, I operate here and uh, that everybody has read these articles, I read the article, and it was a Fox News article because initially people who couldn't possibly fathom this were like, oh, it's a fake article. It's from Fox News, uh, and it was GOP strategists uh, – saying that uh, they see a possibility where President Trump uh, would not run for re-election. Not to say that he'd, st- I mean, I guess stepping down would also, but but not running for re-election is different than stepping down from the office. Um, both can, of course, be true, but uh, one doesn't have to be true for the other to be true. And um, so it was GOP strategists saying this and not saying that it was going to happen, but there is a thought inside the party that this could happen because of uh, how big of an uphill climb it is becoming. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm sure if some people are hearing me say this going, he's not, it's not an uphill climb. He's going to win. And, and, and I always look at when they talk, Joe Biden has opened up like a 9% lead for voters in November. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. What matters is what's going on in, in the battleground states. That's the only thing that matters. Missouri's going red. California's going blue. I, did, I have zero interest in polling data in Missouri, California. If you're interested in this thing, you're looking at polling data in the battleground states. And that is where Biden is also opened up leads that he previously either was trailing or it was within the margin of error. So with that said, if for whatever reason he did, I would imagine you would have Pence and then I would think it would be Nikki Haley. That would be my guess if you were to have a ticket. Um, Gangster Pete, your thoughts on the likelihood and or any value you see on these things. I mean, is Joe Biden a value at minus 150? You're like, it's a sure thing. He's going to win. I'll throw a hundred bucks on it. And I wouldn't throw anything on any of it. I mean, I have no idea what's going on. I would throw a hundred bucks on Mike Pence. Yeah. I mean, I, really I, would. I understand that it's a value. I mean, I, I throw a hundred bucks on Kanye West and it gets six thousand. I throw a hundred bucks on Mike Pence and it gets sixty six hundred. I mean, are we really like? I mean, what? I mean, what in the world? I mean, I think there's probably a better chance that someone we're not even talking about. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, because if it's not Biden, I mean, it's not going to be a Hillary Clinton, and, and it's, I don't see it being Michelle Obama. And I don't know what ticket Kanye West is planning on. Uh, <laughs> Running on, I can also give you this one. The Democratic Party is minus 180 to win the office. So Biden's minus 150. Democratic Party is minus 180. The Republican Party to win the office is plus 135. Donald Trump's number is plus 135. In other words, Bovada sees the same thing that I have been wondering about, which is the Democrats winning without it being Biden or the Republicans winning without President Trump. Uh, except Bovada's math is not reflecting the Republican side. It is reflecting the Democratic side. As far as the vice presidential, Kamala Harris is now even. Susan Rice has moved to plus 350. Tammy Duckworth plus 750. Val Demings plus 850. Elizabeth Warren plus 1,400. Michelle Obama plus 1,800. Keisha Lance Bottoms plus 2,800. And everybody else is above 4,000. So there is your, those have been moving all over the place. Uh, those vice presidential because Kamala Harris was like minus 150 last week. So I don't know what happened to, to move that as much as it did. So there is your uh, presidential politics uh, for the day. 
let's see what we got. Um, hey, Tim, I'm new to the podcast and I'm really enjoying the content. I have to admit that even after four years, I'm still not able to fully let go of the frustration I feel with how the relocation of the Rams went down. So I went back and I listened to your interview with Jeff Fisher from last September to see what information he shared. You said something on the podcast that I've been thinking all along. Given the massive cost overruns with the Inglewood Stadium and the relocation costs, how in the world is Kroenke going to turn a profit on this thing? He's going to be out upwards of $7 billion once this is all done. And while the value of the organization went up to $4 billion, that obviously only pays off when he sells it, which I certainly don't see him doing anytime soon. Plus, if he would have taken the stadium deal from St. Louis, the value of the franchise would have probably reached nearly $2 billion with almost no money out of his pocket, and I'm sure the city would have given him some nice annual revenue sharing. Is this really just as simple as him wanting to be the king of L.A., or do you see him generating enough football and non-football revenue to make this a viable investment? Enjoying the show, Chuck from St. Chuck. Chuck, I don't have a whole lot more because I think he answered the question. Uh, I think he wanted to be the king of L.A., and that's it. And I think, you know, something that probably nobody uh, broadcasting or listening to this program can relate to, but you get to a point where you have so much money, money kind of doesn't become important, and it becomes about legacy. He's in his 70s. He has uh, become uh, persona non grata in his home state. And uh, now he is a hero for some in Los Angeles, and he was able to buy that, and it's Los Angeles. And uh, and I think that's essentially what it comes down to, although I am sure he is, at least I would imagine, he is furious with what has transpired, not just with cost overruns of building the stadium, but also the fact that this St. Louis litigation is not getting tossed. That, I think, uh, with the expenses attributed to both of those, have to be driving him up the wall but I think the goal when he did this was to be the king of Los Angeles. Gangster Pete, any thoughts? Fuck Stan Kroenke. There he I, is. I hope all the bad things happen to him. You just summed it up. That's Gangster Pete. Uh, Tim, first I want to say thanks to you and Smoke for doing the podcast. What's up? At QFT and TMA have been one of just a few bright spots for me lately, and I always enjoy the last entertainment. Uh, oh, this is the one where the guy asks about the YouTube TV, and we talked about it last week. Uh, I hope you and your family, uh, so I answered it from a separate person who was talking about YouTube TV going up. Are you having any issues? We were having issues with, like, the speed of our internet last night, only on one TV, though. No. And I don't know what happens with that, so I'm asking a question for the audience, to the audience. What is the way to mitigate that if you're, like, you got your wireless devices all on, and we pay a shitload for our internet service. Right. So I don't know if we need, what do they call those things, an amplifier? Would that be what it is? Something like that. Yeah. But, uh... YouTube TV just got all those new channels, so now we get Paramount, so we can watch Yellowstone. It's pretty dope. I hear Yellowstone's a bee's knees. I haven't started watching it. It's really good. Uh, rank Yellowstone for me on shows. Uh, I mean, right now, of what's out, I like Yellowstone and Perry Mason. They're Perry both, Mason? Perry Mason's not bad. It's kind of weird, but kind of weird in a good way. Uh, so those are the two that I'm watching right now that I'm really into. I would put Yellowstone, it's definitely in the top 15 of all time shows I've watched. Yeah. Wow, Kevin Costner's daughter in that I can't remember what her name is, but she's fantastic. Is that as an actress or as an parents? actress? Okay. Well, I mean, she's she's not bad to look at either. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, I hope you and your family have a great holiday weekend and continued success in the Fan Page Club Championship. P.S. Iggy is the goat. Thanks again. That comes from uh, Jeff. Uh, yeah, and I, and while we were sitting here, uh, my opponent in the Fan Page Club Championship asked me to give him a call. And I said, I'm recording a podcast. So I'm pretty much most of the time straight text anyway. Uh, I don't know what we would need to 
talk about regarding our match. <laughs> but I have told uh, Zebra sixty nine, that's my opponent, that barring a surprise, he's I'm just going to have to forfeit the match as much as I would love to play Zebra sixty nine me getting an afternoon to go play gateway at this particular moment in my professional career is highly, highly unlikely. Um, Hey Tim, I apologize. Wow. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Well, this wasn't that long for some apologizing for the length. It wasn't as long as that. Hey Tim, I apologize from the outset for the long email. The reason I am writing is to make a podcast suggestion, a guest suggestion and offer some encouragement. First, let me tell you about myself. I'm a Lutheran pastor and I've been on the lookout for your Progeny. Progeny. And a longtime listener, I mention this because I certainly have a different worldview than you, and we disagree on a number of things. However, I've always enjoyed your desire to have a conversation rather than shout talking points, and I think you are a man who operates with integrity and honesty. I recently listened to your conversation with Alvin Mack. I thought it was very helpful and insightful. I commend you for giving him the platform to share his experiences. With that in mind, I wanted to recommend another podcast also dealing with experiences. Probably not one you listened to, but Ted Cruz had on Senator Ted Scott from South Carolina. He shared some very disturbing race-related voicemails he routinely gets and said that he has been stopped by police 18 times as an adult, many while being a senator, many for no reason whatsoever. In light of your conversation with Alvin, truly, whatever your point of view there is a need to address these issues openly and honestly without lining up on sides. I also want to say as a pastor, I've enjoyed conversations you've had both with guests and QFTA about faith and religion. The ones with Jim Talent and S.E. Cup come to mind. You've been very candid and open with your agnosticism. I would be interested if you talk to a trained theologian about some of the big questions, maybe Jack Danforth. There are some responses to some of your objections, and I think it might be helpful and interesting. The point isn't to try to convert you, but to have a robust conversation that would be entertaining and offer a different point of view. You may think it a bit strange that a pastor listens. I admit there are many times I have to tune out. I am glad for the show descriptions. Gangster Pete, that's your work. Yeah, thanks. Uh, But I am a second career guy. I worked in retail management for 17 years, so I've been a listener for a long time. Sometimes I just need something stupid and mindless. The hardest I've ever laughed was the day Weezer's pictures were discovered on Facebook. So I hope the show continues. Let it be bad. I am not on any social media, so I'm a little ignorant about all that's going on, but I sincerely hope that things work out for you and your family. You have many gifts and talents, and I pray that whatever happens, it is to the benefit of your family. Be encouraged. There are many who are rooting for you, support the sponsors, etc. Sorry for the length. I warned you. I hope all your endeavors work out. I appreciate your candor and insight, uh, and above all, your civility when discussing hard topics. Fraternally yours. Anyway, uh, with that all said, uh, I am not a listener of the Ted Cruz podcast. I didn't know that Ted Cruz had a podcast. Um, I'd be interested to hear what uh, Senator Scott had to say. I will say that. And I appreciate his kind words regarding the discussions. Um, it's interesting. I've had, a, I don't want to say a lot, but about double digits, so around 10 people who are um, pastors, ministers, priests, say they listen to the show and then listen to the podcast. And that's a, I, I, I really do consider that a great compliment, mainly because they, they, they get what's going on with what we're doing, which is we're not saying this is, you know, the way that it is. I guess when it comes to our business, we know what's going on. But a lot of these things we're saying, we're giving our opinion, but we're open to going, oh, okay, well, now that I know this, I'm going to change my mind. And here's why. 
Um, and it's not if I have somebody in who is uh, passionate about their faith, for example, which is not something I would share. Uh, and by that, I mean I wouldn't share that same faith. Uh, I'm not going to, like, scold them and or mock them. And listen, I, I disagree and uh, and don't share the view, but I don't I don't get, like, I, there's just, it's like be, here over the last couple of years, I, I just have noticed that there's a hell of a double standard for what can be and can't be mocked and for what group can be and can't be mocked. And I, and, and I, and I, and it's like, we're, we're, let's, let's, let's I, I think isn't the principle of treat others how you want to be treated. But if it's like, if you're not with me, then that means you're against me. And so now I can shit on you and then make a broad based generalization about you and not expect consequences. But if you make a broad based generalization about me, I'm going to do everything I can to take you out and end your career. Does not that seem to be adhering to some kind of faux principle? So, with that said, I appreciate that uh, a pastor uh, sees um, what uh, sees this for what it is, which is essentially just BSing and not attempting to advance any particular agenda. It's just what I think, and if one doesn't like it, then uh, one does not have to uh, to listen. Gangster Pete, anything you have uh, in response to the pastor? Uh, I mean, I think everybody wants wants to have a good time, so they enjoy entertainment, whether you're a pastor or just a regular Joe. Yeah, they moon. Uh, good morning. Another TMA question because I can't get enough of all things TMA. I'm curious on who you and Pete think are the best contributors to the show outside of the host. This could be texters, callers, and emailers. Thanks, boys. That comes from T. Before we give our answer, allow me to talk about James Carlton, my insurance agent, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, Paw State Farm. Uh, he is my insurance agent, and he goes online, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And when you go to Facebook or Google, you will see reviews praising the manner with which they go above and beyond at James Carlton Insurance. I mean, above and beyond things that you go, you got to be kidding me. But I have been on the receiving end of it with James taking care of me. And so I know it's true. And that's why I switched. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance agent and wonderful sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. All right, who do me and Pete think are the best contributors to the show outside of the hosts? This could be texters, callers, and emailers. Emailers, Timmy, Tom, Tom, DJ, Gabe, Carlos, Spicy Wiener, uh, outstanding. Texters, I'm a Justin in Columbia, Lemming. Uh, callers, caller Adam. I'm kind of finding Cal's uh, operation to be entertaining. Do you like Cal? Yeah, I enjoy Cal. You like Cal? I thought yeah. you might not like Cal. No, Cal's, I like that dry humor. Like, yeah. Wes Anderson's my favorite director. I, I like anything that has that kind of dry humor that's not just Cal's pretty face. quick, too. Yeah, He's I can tell. Uh, so I, I enjoy the calls. I enjoy how much it bothers uh, some people. Uh, I always enjoy that. I know you do. <laughs> I think I'm starting to, <laughs> starting to come to your side on this. Uh, and... Uh, and over the course of the show's history, I mean, you have Larry Nickel, Mike Lee, Rudy, Mickey Carroll, founding fathers, essentially, uh, Jackie, Douglas. Um, I'm a Tunnels 12,000 guy through and through. Brilliant pros. Uh, am I missing anybody? I'm inevitably going to miss somebody. Somebody's going to be banty about it. I don't know. I enjoy producer Joe's texts onto my phone. Jennings yep. texts my phone. Uh Tim. I know you're not in management, but I wanted to let you know I love and I need this show, in caps. I'm a teacher and stay-at-home dad to five kids in the summer. Oh, God. You do need this show. Holy shit. Wow. Wow. 
This show literally makes me laugh out loud many times a day. I'm a huge Iggy Lemming. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I hope the show is going to be okay. I'm probably in the minority, but I think the show is better without, oh, this is now taking a shot, uh, the cat and Darren. I hate to see anyone lose their job, just being honest. Thank you. That's from, uh, that's from Kevin. Uh, so I guess it's just an opinion. Uh, there isn't a question, I don't think. Um, well, I can tell you this. I know that Gangster Pete and I uh, prefer the show with all six of us. So, um, Most deaf. So, I, so with, I mean, unless people have opinions on the show and some people like some things and some people like other things. Um, yeah, I think if you gathered 25 TMA listeners, like people who listen on a regular basis, and asked them to rank their six favorite people, in order from most favorite to least favorite, I think there is a chance you could get 25 different combinations. So, you know, it's just, it's just, I have noticed oftentimes though, it does kind of fall along the lines of political ideology, which is not the way, like I, for all the time I listened to Howard Stern growing up, I had no idea where the hell he was and I couldn't have cared any less by the way. But that is, uh, that is 20, uh, that is 2020. Although I think it's been going on for a few years. Uh, well, anyway, uh, Kevin, thank you for being a, uh, a loyal listener. And also, I appreciate this, this sentence, which might sound like a very low bar to appreciate. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but that's all. Yeah, I appreciate that sentence. <laughs> because for as much as you know, Gangster Pete, you still don't know everything. Right. Less. But I also, but listen, here's the deal. If I were in the listener's shoes and if Howard Stern, for example, something that I was really into... Uh, you're, there's some kind of thing and you know, there's some kind of thing I'd be opining to and giving theories just like I do with like a cardinal lineup change. So I can't, you know, I mean, it, listen, it's kind of part of the deal. If anything, even though it might not be enjoyable at times, you would prefer to have people caring so much that they're trying to put pieces together and figure things out and both root against you and for you because inevitably you're not going to have everybody rooting for you. So you want that, 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 that's what, that's what comes with it. So if you're not prepared to deal with it, then it's best not to be in it. You just try to stay away from people who you think might. And it's best not to get advice from everybody that thinks like-minded like you. The show's better when the whole squad's together. Uh, all six people. That's the goal is all six. Uh, let's see. I've got two more emails that I'm going to, uh, this is a, this one is a long one. I think it's worth reading though. I haven't read through it. I know what I see what the what it's about though. Tim, like you, I read the article in the Business Journal about Centene expanding into Charlotte and CEO Michael Niedorf's uh Niedorf's comments about the region quote needing to improve risk of company headquarters leaving St. Louis outright. I know the state of the city slash region topic has come up both on TMA and the podcast on several occasions, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on both the business-slash-economic climate of the region and the general state of the city, particularly for young college-educated workers. For some context, I grew up in West County and moved back to St. Louis in 2015 after graduating from a large school in the South. I considered other cities for law school, including places like Atlanta, Nashville, and Dallas that several of my college buddies were heading to but wound up choosing SLU. At that time, the wounds of Michael Brown and Ferguson were still pretty fresh in the area, and in retrospect, it feels like a low point for the city and region as a whole. In the last five years, however, I have felt a significant shift in the positive momentum for the city, most notably in areas like the Central West End, the Grove, and Tower Groves, and Shaw neighborhoods. 
the number of new and or rehabilitated residential buildings, bars, restaurants, and small businesses that have popped up in these areas is pretty staggering. For people in their 20s and 30s, the city has become a desirable place to live, work, and play, a fact that I think is overlooked by a lot of older suburban St. Louisans. It's evident that the quote-unquote St. STL Today commenters of the world only see the city as they are driving to and from sporting events. In addition, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. In addition, there are major companies that are expanding to or moving their headquarters to St. Louis. Um in the rapidly growing startup tech scene in areas such as Cortex is extremely promising. In addition, I think it's important to take Niederf's comments with a grain of salt. North Carolina is offering several hundred million dollars in tax incentives and subsidies, and this is a perfect opportunity for Centene to leverage a potential move into greater economic incentives from Missouri. That said, Niederf's exact, uh, absolutely correct that our region is lagging behind similar-sized cities like Nashville or Charlotte, let alone major metropolitan areas like Denver, Dallas, or Chicago, the elephant in the room is crime or the perception of crime. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say people Google St. Louis, see the crime statistics, and cross us off the list of cities to move to. Fortunately, perception is reality. Trying to explain the city-county divide and how our region's crime statistics are skewed just doesn't work. However, I think the problem is even more insidious than that. There is a sense of self-loathing among many St. Louisans and even a sense of otherness dividing the city and suburbs as though the problems of the city are incapable of crossing west of McCausland. I feel like there is genuine apathy or even distaste for the city for many St. Louisans living in the suburbs. It's baffling to me that we have people shitting on their own city and acting like these problems do not affect them. This just further negative, furthers the negative perception of St. Louis around the country. I think it's clear from our city's history that racism plays a substantial role in this. But I think that's a little too simplified of an answer. I know you've touched on this in the past, but I definitely get the sense that the, quote, old guard of St. Louis is extremely resistant to change and unwilling to welcome people, ideas, or even dollars from outside the region. By contrast, other cities have embraced a younger, more energetic, more diverse workforce and thrived. I'm still optimistic about the future of St. Louis. We have a ton to offer at a low cost of living, which I think will be appealing to many young professionals as they increasingly flee from the incredibly high costs of big city coastal living. That said, I still worry that we cannot get out of our own way and will continue to get passed by our peer cities as we drown in political squabbles and parochialism. If Neodorf's comments aren't a wake-up call, I don't know what is. We need leadership that will recognize the problems that have and enact real meaningful change. Anyway, I apologize for the length of the email. would love to hear your thoughts on the state of the city in general and whether you think a business or political leader, someone like Mark Montavani or the Taylor family is capable of enacting meaningful political change in the region. Thanks. That comes from Matt. You can use my first name, Matt. You can use my first name. A lot there gangster Pete, but yeah. I thought it was uh, a good email. So I, yeah, I, think I went it, into the tank. I think it's a great email. I agree with him that there are a lot of dope spots in St. Louis. Uh, and that is exciting. I also think that the stuff that Neerdorf said is stuff that needs to be said. Like, you can't just ignore it and it'll go away. It has to be addressed and we have to figure out ways. Uh, at the end there, when he's talking about Mark Montavani, that's a guy I want in charge making decisions because uh, he's got that business background. I heard him talking on the Mark Milton show this morning before our show, and he just gets you excited. Like, he believes in St. Louis, and he has a good plan to get things done, I think. So there's a lot of potential here, but there's also a lot of problems we need to, you know, address the problems and rise up. Um, with regard to Monavani, I share that opinion. Uh, I don't really oftentimes uh, 
like, I don't even know, endorse. I mean, what the hell is my endorsement worth? But, uh, you know, uh, candidates, but I really do feel strongly. So let me make it clear. I am quote unquote biased, but, uh, I think very highly of him. And, uh, let's see what we got. Wow. Now this is from June 8th, gangster Pete, but okay. I was looking for polling data. Have you seen any polling data on the County executive race? I have not. This is my first time seeing it. Now, again, the articles, uh, updated June 8th, St. Louis business journal. The August Democratic, so it's a month, I'm almost a month old. The August Democratic primary for St. Louis County Executive is about two months away. The current county executive, Sam Page, took over when Steve Stanger resigned amid a federal indictment for corruption. According to an independent poll taken last week, Page holds a lead over his rivals. Page was favored by 34% of the respondents ahead of Mark Montavani, 19%, Jake Zimmerman, 13%, and Jamie Tolliver, 3%, about 31% undecided. The margin of error for the poll was plus or minus 4%. Perhaps a stronger point in Page's favor from the polling, 76% of respondents approve of the county's handling of the coronavirus. This may ultimately be the centerpiece of the Page campaign, highlighting his medical credentials and his calm demeanor. They'll argue he's the right person for these times. Monavani, second in the poll, almost beat Stenger two years ago. In fact, some believe he would have prevailed except that the right-to-work referendum was on the same ballot and spiked organized labor turnout, which aided uh, Stanger. Montevani's an entrepreneur and businessman. He's raised a lot of money and has garnered key endorsements from the Carpenters Union as well as the police, showing dissatisfaction with Page among some powerful constituencies. Furthermore, his last contest showed he's a fierce competitor and shouldn't be underestimated. Uh, the knock on Montevani is that he's, quote, really a Republican. He was a donor to former Greiton, uh, Governor Eric Greitens, for example, uh, and as he said here, I'm now talking, as he said on this podcast, he regrets that in a major way. And he regretted it even before uh, that all fell apart. But what might be more troublesome for his campaign is the question whether voters want a businessman in charge during a once in a generation public health crisis. Jake Zimmerman is right behind Montevani in the polling. He's the county assessor that has given him some measure of name ID, although one political chuckled that property assessments aren't exactly the mail pieces that people are happy to open. Uh, Zimmerman has a large war chest and a message. If Montevani is a Republican businessman and Page is the face of the status quo, then Zimmerman is the real Democrat. He's running in the left lane. In a Democratic primary, that's normally the place you want to be. However, it's not clear from polling if it will gain traction here. When asked what was most important, voters said managerial competence at 42%, personal integrity at 34%, ahead of a candidate's quote-unquote political um Positions. And finally, there's Jamie Tolliver. She has uh, some demographic advantages, being the only woman and only African-American in the field, but she hasn't demonstrated an ability to raise the necessary amount of money to compete. In this time of coronavirus, money is critical. The August primary will be determined by TV ads, radio ads, digital ads, and mail pieces. There won't be much, if any, door-knocking rallies or grassroots turnout efforts. Without cash, she's doomed to stay where the polling currently has her in fourth place. So that is from the St. Louis Business Journal's on what was the number for Page and what was the number for Montavani? Page 34%, Montavani 19%, Zimmerman 13%, Tolliver 3%. 31% undivided. Wow, that's kind of Undecided. surprising. Excuse me. I didn't expect that big Yeah, I guess uh I guess what I would say is this um that it, the, the, you don't have a large sample size. So the the, the delta on these numbers, I mean, Page right. could be Page could be much higher uh or he could be much lower. So with that said, I just while we, I, while you were answering, I typed in to see if there was any data on the polling. Um, I am a fan of Mark, and if you want to talk about integrity and managerial experience, and those were the two most important traits in this poll, uh, managerial competence and personal integrity. I mean, Mark Montavani, um, 
I just, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. There, there will come a time where I will go into more detail as to why I feel the way that I do. Um, but it is, it's just, I haven't, I mean, I guess it's so tough to say at this, at this moment, cause it'll sound like there's no way you could really feel this way. But I guess with 2016, with both the presidential election and the gubernatorial election, it wasn't that I'm like, oh, I'm a huge Hillary Clinton or, oh, I'm a huge Chris Coster fan and was disappointed that they didn't win so much as I was not a fan of uh, now President Trump and former Governor Eric Greitens. Um, so that was the source of my disappointment. Uh, uh, with August of 2018 and the Democratic primary race for St. Louis County Executive, um, whereas Steve Stenger now, you have him doing time, uh, but I was a huge fan of Mark Montavani. That was my, I was a huge fan, huge fan. And, uh, and, and, and it's just, you know, again, like I said, I, there will come a time. And if I don't do it, somebody remind me and email me when, the, when the time comes, it certainly will be after the race, uh, or after the election, I should say. So we got a month, but, uh, where I'll go into some of the, some of the reasons, but I just don't, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's one-on-one stuff. But I'm just like, man, this is this is what this is what I personally am looking for in a political candidate. Somebody who's just like, yeah, I don't I don't need it, but I believe so strongly in it that I am going to risk something that would be kind of embarrassing, which is losing twice in a matter of two years. And also something that he doesn't really, I think, when it gets down to it, enjoy doing. Some polit- political candidates love the campaign, but not the actual office. Uh, I think Mark would prefer the office and not have to deal with the campaigning, but that's what you got to do in order to win. And, uh, and, and because this is a, uh, you know, he'd have to, he'd have to campaign three times in a short period of time if he, if he were to win, which isn't necessarily what he's doing because of the way things played out with Stanger. So this is, you know, a special election. So with that all said, uh, I just feel really strongly about it. Now that doesn't mean I wouldn't, we've asked Sam Page to come on. I'd love to have him on. I don't expect him to come on. We asked Steve Stanger to come on back in the day. Haven't had him on. Didn't have him on. Don't believe it's going to happen anytime soon. Even more confident in that one, obviously. Um, so with that said, this wasn't a question about the St. Louis County executive race, although you brought it up. I do feel like rarely do you go, oh, politician is actually going to change it. You might go, oh, I don't want this person to win. Um, but you don't necessarily think it's going to like mean something for your local area. And this one, I actually think it would. I really do. Like when Lida Cruson won, I wasn't like, oh, good, this is going to put St. Louis on the right path. Or, oh, no, this is going to put St. Louis on the wrong path. I guess it would be the same thing. And, you know, for the most part, it's been what I figured. With Manavani, I do feel like it would be a shakeup because he doesn't care. And by he doesn't care, I mean he's not looking to, like, ascend to U.S. senator or something like that or governor. That's not what he thinks. That's not what he wants. This is the only office he wants. And he wants to do it for the right reasons. It is, you know... It's actually viewed somehow negatively with some people, but he has been successful. He does not need the money. He wants to leave a legacy of really helping turn around a region he cares about, and it's something that he has studied um, with his fellowship at Harvard. And uh, one of the things he said in one of the interviews with us is when he went up and talked with the gentleman who uh, was handling uh, the lecture that day uh, at Harvard and said, I'm from St. Louis. And the guy goes, oh. You are from the most screwed up urban infrastructure in our country. That's That was the reputation. Didn't say crime. Now you could say, well, because of the infrastructure, there's crime. But 
uh, that is that that you know and that's from somebody teaching a course um, at Harvard. So with that said, um, what is my view of it? I couldn't agree more that it, it used to drive me up the wall, and this goes back 20 years when I would hear people when I was working at KMOV about how much crime there is downtown, and then I would be walking to my car, sometimes a decent walk from KMOV, and I'd be like, there's nothing here. It's not a case of, man, I don't feel safe. It's, there's just nothing. If anything, that's what was sad. Now, that was 2000 to 2005. My wife and I lived on Washington Avenue from 2009 to 2011, and then we moved to Park Pacific for one year, 2011, 2012. So I lived there, and then I grew up in the city. My family still lives in the city, not downtown, but in the city, and I love the city. And I think oftentimes on this topic, you have people pontificate who have very little experience in it, and their only experience is driving on 40, 70, 64, 55 into the city to go to a sporting event. So I do agree with that. Um, I think something that, uh, and what happened, and this always happens, I noticed because I post the link to this article in the Business Journal, this interview with the Centene CEO, uh, Michael Niedorf. And then what inevitably happens when somebody, um, and I don't even know if it's, I didn't even really consider taking a shot, just kind of holds a mirror up then it becomes, let's find out a way to discredit him as opposed to let's talk about what he said. And that's what happens. And that's not, by the way, that's not unique to St. Louis, but it's just like, oh, here's somebody being critical of our area who is invested in the area. And, and now we're going to discredit him because he said something we didn't like, which essentially is the way politics is played right now. Although This is a business comment. Something that he did say that I don't feel like has gotten that much attention is that the supply to expand in St. Louis, supply of employees is low in St. Louis. So whether it be the supply of residents or the supply of people who want to relocate to St. Louis. And this gets back to a guest we had a few months ago, Anthony Bartlett, um, who, if you didn't listen to that one, I would really recommend it. And he started, you remember the name of the company he started, Pete? I forgot. I'll type it in. Uh, Transplant St. Louis or something along those lines. Um, I want to make sure I get it right. It was a a great interview. Uh, St. Louis Transplants founder, that's what it was. Uh, And it was about getting people familiar with St. Louis because it's a tough nut to crack for people who are not from here. And I don't know how many times I've heard that. My God, I don't know how many times I've heard that. And so that's an issue. But also what he talked about was that a lot of companies are interested in moving here and then they get down to like four or five finalists and then they talk with their employees about it and they cross St. Louis off right away. And so that it's almost like a PR campaign for St. Louis because once they're here, if they do get to crack the nut that is the social scene in St. Louis, and I'm not talking about like bar Napoli, I'm talking about just like families even, uh, that, that they find, yeah, that there's a reason why people, once they do move here, stay here. I mean, you don't move somewhere and stay if you don't enjoy it, you know? So, uh, that's, you know, the reason I bolt is because I can't stand cold weather for the, the handful of months that I'm not here. But otherwise, I mean, this is, you know, I think a number of us have had opportunities uh, to leave and have chosen to stay. So there's got to be a reason for it. And uh, I think that 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 part of what Niedorf said was something that, that, that stood out to me because that's that's a core issue. Yeah, crime certainly is is one of the first things you think of and you see. But the overarching issue is people don't 
want to live here. They think it is, they, they don't get, I think what it is. And it's like, we need someone because I think the raw materials are here. We need someone leading that charge. It's pro business who is incredibly intelligent. And that's what I see with Mark Montavani. He's talking about that today. Oh, really? Just I haven't listened to the interview with Mark. Yeah. He's going to be on with us for those of you who listen to this. Uh, he's going to be on with us live on TMA on uh, Wednesday morning, Wednesday, July 8th. What was he yeah. saying with uh, the well, great Mark Well, he's just talking, there? he's making the comparison of like the 150K in New York and the 150K here. Oh, my and how, God. And how the businesses can make their employees that money stretch so much further here and how you've got to sell that point. And how you're you, spending for the same dollar, Pete, there, what do you think, 450 But even then, you can't live in Manhattan. I mean, you yeah. can. And I know that just sounds like foreign. That $450,000, you couldn't live somewhere. There's $450,000 in St. Louis. You can almost live anywhere. Right. So he was just basically saying how we have to sell this to the companies, and he he wants to do it. Really? Like he thinks we're focusing on the wrong things. And I just every time he talks, I get excited. He's bringing all of his business principles. He's been an obviously a successful businessman, and he sees the problems like a CEO would see the problems, and he wants to fix them, make them better, and grow. And it just it gets me excited every time I hear him talk. And he's, he's, and the thing is, he's an, he's an idealist too, yeah. which is so rare for a super successful businessman. And like you said, he doesn't aspire anything beyond this position. This is what he, he wants, wants to, do. to do this because he wants to kick ass. I mean, it's just, I'll be, I will be so disappointed if he doesn't win. Yeah, I'll be so bummed. And, and I, I'm not going to worry about these numbers here just because I, I remember, I think I've talked to him about it and. It's just a small sample size. And again, I mean, more more than a third of the pair, a third, 31% are undecided. So it's, and you're not talking about, you're talking about a small race, relatively speaking. Uh, but it's a great question. It was a great email as uh, well. Uh, hey, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is a fine gentleman. He's online at evergreenstl.com. He really is a good guy. And we're talking about finances. Well, Mark Hanna's your guy. Uh, everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Why not do business with a first class person? Uh, and, uh, and you can do so by giving them a call at 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Thrills me to hear how many people have decided to make that phone call to Mark Milton and are very happy with what they have been learning and working with Mark on. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, especially a time like July 2020, you want to make sure you have somebody who you can count on. Uh, and now we got a golf question. Hey, Tim slash Pete, I've seen a number of Banty golf fans pop off about Bryson DeChambeau and how he's ruining the way that golf is intended to be played. Would you uh, would love to hear your thoughts? Toodles. Oh, that's from your guy, Cal. What's up, Cal? Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of small sample size. And also consider the events he's been playing and the courses he's been playing. Now, if he does this at like Augusta or the U.S. Open, then I th then, but I don't know, were people like mad at Tiger? I mean, they were Tiger proof in courses. I think part of it with DeChambeau, Pete, is because he is really unpopular. Yeah. As far as a guy goes, people don't necessarily want him to be the face of golf. I think this experiment is awesome. Like His I body transformation. Yeah, I find it super fascinating. Everybody focus, focuses on him bulking up, but he's also doing all kinds of flexibility stuff, too. So he's stronger, more flexible, and it's just really interesting because 
he's hitting the ball straight too. I guess he was the first person to lead the field in shots gained off the tee and shots gained putting. And yeah, his winning putting this weekend was what won since it. 2004. How about that? Wow. Who did then? Eldrick? Uh, I, I didn't see the name. But uh, I think the golf experiment part of it is fascinating, and I'm totally totally into it. I think the him bitching about uh, guys filming him on the golf course is a bitch move, and I hate that. So you hate I, what, what, what do you hate? He's complaining because the guy he was being oh, videoed okay, while okay, he's okay. playing golf. I mean, that that stuff, that sucks. I don't like that. But I think the, the golf experiment part of it is fascinating to me. I, uh... I, I guess I'd say, in, in, in a sense, a small sample set. I'm anxious to see what happens. I don't know much about Harding Park, where the PGA is going to be here in three weeks, four weeks, uh, and what kind of course it is. Um, and, 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 you know, U.S. Open uh, and how it'll all play out then. And then, of course, if we do get to see Augusta in November and what that will be like, you know, uh, which is still amazing to me that that's, I mean, we could get the Masters twice in six months, which fun. on the surface is lovely. If it has actually to happen, um, but I, I, you know, it, it, with for, with regard to DraftKings, as far as our, you know, we did have a good day on Saturday, stunning. We actually profited this week uh, with finishing in second place on that shootout on Saturday, and I had DeChambeau and rosters there. But I was talking to my wizard, and he goes, "He's going to be so highly owned, we just have to fade him. You know, you just have to fade him because, but he's still killing it." And so you now you're getting to a point where you almost have to put them in your rosters. I faded him too, spot. just for that reason. Yeah, and you're just going to get eaten up. Yeah. So and he's so expensive. He's the most right. expensive player. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy the quote unquote bad guy. Uh, and you kind of got a heel, but the heel who's playing better than anybody. What was the stat that I saw? Um, I saw Jennings retweet it. It is so. It's so holy shit uh, that. It, it almost doesn't seem real. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is 69 under par since the restart. 20 shots better in relation to par than anybody else. Next, Victor Hovland, second at f- minus 49. I took a picture of that. Oh, you thought <laughs> you, that one stood out to you? Yeah, showing it to my group chat. Just in a different world. Just in an absolutely different world. And again, everybody's talking about the distance, but as you just made reference to, the putting stats in, in Detroit is what won that thing for him. Um so, you know, some of the bigger names took Detroit off. Um, I bet they take this week off, too. But then you'll have the Memorial, and they'll all be there. You think Tiger will play Memorial? I have no idea. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, like, is he hurt or just what? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I, I think he might go Memorial, then take a week off, then WGC, then the PGA. That's if he's healthy, I, I figured he would have played once. By I would have, too. Um, I was really hoping he would play Harbortown. But with that said... Uh, even a course that's quote unquote short, like Harbortown, uh, DeChambeau was killing it. So this is not just a distance thing, but he is hitting 380 yard drives and hitting wedge and he's able to stick wedge within like five feet. I mean, it's, he hit 22 drives between 344 and 377 yards last week. It's just absurd. And by the way, the swing is not aesthetically pleasing. No. It's like he has to navigate his gut to when he when he comes through. So, but the uh, accuracy is really impressive, I think, because he's just letting it go. Yeah, and he is hitting. He's hitting. I mean, it's something else. It really is absolutely something else. And he's tearing golf courses apart. And what's going on right now? So, uh, I personally am intrigued by it. 
I think if it would have been a bigger event, it would have gotten more attention. Now he has won one because it was kind of like, well, he's playing well, but he can't close it out. Well, now he closed one out, and he had to come from behind to do it. So um, I don't know. I I, I like having a, a heel character, and uh, he is certainly the heel character. All right, I now I haven't looked at anything on the fan page, so let me see if I can. That's why I like when Patrick Reed makes cuts too, because he's, he's got that heel thing going too. Uh, let's see, uh, Brian Henson. When it comes, are you a Henshin guy? Yeah, I love Brian Henson. When it comes time to share all your crazy tales from sports talk radio, would you consider doing a special long form podcast series instead of writing a book? I reckon the numbers for that would be through the roof and sponsors would be lined up out the door. What would be the downside to going audio over written word? Thanks. Love you. Sup, Pete. Bows. Brian Henshin. So uh, that's on the fan page. Um, well, first off, Brian Henshin, who I am also a huge fan of, uh, the the uh, the idea of writing a book is intri- I almost right now just want to write things down just so I don't forget them. Uh, and I'm not just talking about like now stuff. I'm talking about stuff that you know happened long time ago. I mean, long time ago. When I started in 2002, people thought it was fucking weird. Uh, you know, I mean, 2002. God, it's almost 20 years ago. But um, so that's you know, it, it goes back. Uh, I mean, that was when Rich Gould just decided he was no longer going to work Fridays, but he didn't tell management. <laughs> and I was hosting a show with him, and we just kind of like, all right, fine. And then nobody said anything to him for like two months. <laughs> and he it's like came, George. And then they fired him, but they didn't. But they didn't tell him. And. Or they did, and he said, well, you still owe me money, and so he would make sure to come in to pick up his check on payday just to wait, just to talk. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable shit. So uh, with with writing, I mean, I, I think I think writing a book would be better. I don't know, although I listen to books now, uh, sometimes on Audible, especially when I have my long drives, uh, albeit that was the Florida stuff. Um. Gangster Peter, you more pro book or uh, pro uh, spoken? I mean, I I enjoy listening to the spoken word, uh, but I mean, I could see how a book would be good because you can you know get your outline, make sure you hit everything. Like during the course of a podcast, you can forget things. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. I th- I think. I mean, I and think then, I would write it, and then I could give the option for Audible, but it's yeah. not going to be a podcast. Yeah, you just do the audio book. I think. I also think sometimes, and I don't. I think this is kind of a fan page bubble thing because then you just see like you know the same couple hundred people posting and then it'd be that some things that some people think are really big deals on the fan page are not really big deals. No way. (laughs) And I may have said this before, which is of course the unofficial title of questions from the audience. Um, but there's a gentleman who said, and I'm pretty certain that I've said it because I feel like you're leaning in. Like I have said it before. Tell me if I've said it before. He is in management at another radio station, right? And he said one of the things that hurt, not our show, but another show that's popular in St. Louis, is that uh, one of the main hosts started broadcasting for the P1s as opposed to... Oh, I remember the P1s. As opposed to the, the majority of the audience, which isn't a P1, of course. Right. But, of course, the P1s are the most vocal. And then you start getting caught up in like, oh, I guess Biffin show actually is going to become the next Howard Stern show. <laughs> and while I personally love Biffin show, I like too. I really love Biffin show. Like I could probably listen to three hours of Biffin show on a daily basis. 
I really think I could. I don't know if Biffin's show can be executed three hours a day on a daily basis, but I'd love to see it. Uh, I think think realistically, I don't know how wide of a net it casts, but on the fan page right now, you would think that Stern just launched in D.C., and, and you have to you have to kind of like go, oh, well, we're in a bubble. You know, it's like, you know, some of those like Cardinal uh, fan pages. You go, oh, my God, what what's what is this? And you go, well, hold on. This is just a this is just a portion of the fan base. But I understand how it's to. So when this gentleman told me this, and I don't even know why we were having lunch about a year ago, actually about a year ago. Uh, and uh, he said that and I go, oh, and I was kind of like, oh, I know you're not saying this to me, but it sounds like you're kind of talking to us with this. Um, and it stood out to me. So why do I tell that tale, which I may have told before, uh, because as fascinating as this would be to our P ones, as they say for TMA, I don't know how much a book about what has gone on in my radio career is going to really sell, whether it be a book or whether it be a podcast, at least at this particular moment, uh, because you're talking about, as Frank Opinion said when he came in here and he was, uh, I don't think you were working here yet. Were you in here when he, he came in doing it? I oh, was. You did? Thanks you for remembering. Oh my goodness. So you remember what he said though. I thought it was, I thought it was great awareness, just uh, great self-awareness. Refreshed my memory. It's I'm paraphrasing, but it was something, and he said it right at the beginning of the interview too. He said for about, Oh, I think I know like, Three percent, right. maybe, of St. Louis. I'm a really big deal. <laughs> yeah, he goes, and I might be over exaggerating what he said, which is redundant. Uh, but for about three percent of, I'm a really big deal. Because for the other ninety seven, so we line up a hundred people, and ninety seven wouldn't even know who I am. And that's, it's great perspective because I don't even think we have the three percent, and. That what what it drives home is that that means let's say we do let's say we do let's give ourselves the three percent, and that means there's a hundred people or let's do a thousand, nine hundred seventy, will go like oh who's the who's the short guy you know, that that's that's what it would be, now the passion of the thirty of the one thousand, I would put it up against any other show, I'm comfortable with that I, I you know that that and I think I think people know where I'm coming from with that whereas if you put like I don't know Mike Bush in front of a thousand people. I don't know. St. Louis, St. Louis metropolitan area, uh, people. What do you think? You think there'd be 50% recognition? I was going to say like 450. Okay. All right. So we're in the same ballpark, but I think Mike would also acknowledge while there would be a higher recognition. I don't know how many people are necessarily like, yes, fucking Mike Bush. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's less of that. Right. So, or people who go, I fucking hate Mike Bush, that kind of thing. (laughs) So it's recognition. So you understand that these are the correlations I'm talking. So with that said, to write a book or to even do a podcast sharing said stories, the upside from a financial standpoint is incredibly low. Incredible at this moment, at this moment, on the off chance somehow this becomes a national uh, deal, then things change. Uh, I'm not considering that to be particularly likely at the moment, but as I sit here. That's why I say at this moment. Um, now, for those who love the thing, it would be incredibly fulfilling. You will, you. I say this, and I don't even think twice. I, I do money back guarantee. As a matter of fact, you will fall out of your fucking chair. You will fall out of your fucking chair. I promise you that. 
you won't believe. And that's the thing. Because you'll fall out of your chair, then I'm, I have low financial upside. So here's our chart. We have the upside and we have the downside. The upside is low because I'm telling you there aren't that many people who would buy it, as in purchase the book. I absolutely don't think there'd be many sponsors. That I just take off the table. And I know that might sound foreign, but I'm just telling you it wouldn't. I mean, I guess maybe there'd be some, but it, it just it wouldn't be six figures. Let me put it that way. The downside, the downside would be litigation. Because in order to tell the stories, you have to talk about people who are involved, which is essentially what I try not to do anytime I'm navigating situations. So now you have to get into it. And you just, and on top of it, honestly, some of it's like serious uh, and would be not good for, you know, to be out there uh, for people. And I'm not, and, and on top of it, I'm just and also, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. We won. So <laughs> I don't, I don't really want to dance on the graves. I mean, it's kind of just like a whatever, you know, the show's 16 years old. Even if it's, today was our last show, we had 16 years of it. It's this point, more than a third of my life. And it's been super fun. And I've made a decent living being able to do it. And I got zero complaints. Obviously there's been some stuff that has been rough to deal with, but whatever, everybody has situations at work. You know, I don't think I'm anything unique here. It's just ours kind of play out publicly. That's the only difference. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's when people ask about it for the people who care, it would be, you would be, you would be beyond fulfilled. I, there's not a doubt in my mind. And like I said, I think you wouldn't believe some of it. I guess I'd have to get like people to corroborate. Uh, but then they're putting their asses on the line. Um, but yes, I, I say that I don't, you don't, I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind, but what is the upside? The upside is so minimal, relatively speaking, financially, that it's just not even, it's not even, it's not something like Iggy. I really think I could see him writing a book. I think it's going to require him to like sitting with somebody and that person writing it though. Cause I don't know if I'm ever going to see him sitting down and like, you're never going to see that. He needs a ghostwriter. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but he might have some more entertaining tales too, but a lot of his stuff is just like, I think if he were sitting here, he would acknowledge this gangster Pete, you play the role of judge and jury. I think some of his stuff might be slightly vindictive. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whereas I'd just be like, here's what happened. And, you know, I know it might not sound, you know, it might not sound believable. I mean, we're talking, yeah, I can't even, it's, it's serious shit. I mean, it's, it's not all, obviously not all, but like 98% of it's not. It's just like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. And I'd be like, no, this happened. Uh, and here, ask this person, this person knows, but, uh, but it, some of it's serious and, and actually scary is I would, I would go that far to say that. Uh, I don't even think once you would know, you would go, holy shit, it's scary. But some of it also is, is, uh, is just, you know, it just sounds like, like we made it up. So what I would tell you my upside is, is this, my upside is my favorite television show of all time still to this day is the Larry Sanders show which was uh, an HBO show that was a faux talk show. And what made it work were all the characters, par partially the host, uh, Gary Shandling's character and Jer Jeffrey Tambor's character, Larry Sanders and Hank Kingsley. Uh, and then the, you know, because they were playing it like it was a real talk show, like, like Letterman or Leno or Carson or whatever. And uh, at that time, because it was the early 90s, mid-90s, 
but uh, it was the behind-the-scenes drama and the comedy of the, the characters that made the thing great. That is where I think there is upside, but therefore it would have to be based on the people with whom we've come into contact, and that is where, you know, I mean, you just, you know, I still, I, mean, I think maybe the opening scene would be a strip bar and our general manager offering to buy us a lap dance, and we get in there with the stripper, and, you know, lap dances for me, kind of neither here nor there, always have felt that way, nothing new. Uh, when they're lesbianic, that's when I'm more interested, but otherwise it's just a dry humping session, and I'm paying for it. But in this case, general manager's paying for it, and you're like, okay, it's fine. I'm probably intoxicated, otherwise I wouldn't be there. But then the camera would cut to the general manager sitting there watching me get the lap dance, and I think it would set the tone for the program right there. I think that's the opening shot. I visualize that because that really happened. General manager cuck. <laughs> Is that what they call yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know who, who's cucking who in that situation. <laughs> well, he's the cuck. He's on the Davenport <laughs> watching. Watching. Yeah. Uh, so, but that happened, and it happened often. It happened often. <laughs> Because it got to a point where it's like, oh, shit, he's going to want me to get a lap dance, which aren't words you really usually hear a gentleman say at a strip bar. Oh, shit, he's going to buy me a lap dance. But that became a thing. It's like, oh, I'll go to the strip bar. But, God, I know what's going to happen. He's going to want to he's going to want to watch me get a lap dance. It's, it's you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it happened. And uh, and, and 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 it's one of many. But I, like I said, so that it's the writing the book isn't the upside, the actual naming names and things that would be downside. But using this to write a show, because uh, it's kind of written itself. I don't even have to like be creative. I just have to. I just have to jog my memory, and then give it to somebody who actually writes shows, and then let them take this material. And I think at that point we have we have the next Larry Sanders show thirty years later. That's what that's that's the business opportunity there. Uh, let's see what we got. Want to get together and play some golf sometimes. I think this is actually from the guy who beat you in the first round of the fan page club championship. Is that Mike? He, yes. Yep. That's you Mike. do. You want a rematch? Uh, I mean, I'll, I, he plays in the league every Thursday. Oh, does he? I'm sure I'll get a shot. You'll get a shot. Um, I'm always happy to play. I don't know when I will be able to play. Um, just a little busy at the, this moment. Um, is Fauci going to become a villain? He said his job was to make us all overreact. Did we overreact? Has COVID done anything to restore your faith in humanity or the opposite? Uh, that is from Jeff. And this will be, because the next one's about minor league baseball. And uh, I just, I'm just not there. I'm just not there. Have you even paid attention? Like, like I read Ben Fredrickson's columns about what happened over the weekend right. with all the te po positive tests. And the Derek, who I think is a brilliant writer. But like to read about baseball right now, I'm just like I'm just not even there. I don't know what it'll be like if they do play, and if I guess I'll watch the games. I guess I will. I see the headlines when I'm scouring the net for links. But yeah, I don't read it. I will believe it when I see it, and then we'll we'll take it from there. Do, all right, you got to put a hundred dollars down. Do they uh, open up the season on July 24th at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates? Because that's what the schedule. Yes. Oh, okay. Were you confident in shipping that hundred? No. I mean, I'm not confident confident in anything. No. I mean. But if you got to bet it, you'll bet it. Yeah, if I have to bet it, I'll right. bet they'll play because it's on the schedule. I would bet it. It's scheduled right now. I'll yeah. bet on that. I think they're just going to just go, okay, next man up. But as I said on TMA this morning, over the last two weeks, let me ask you this because you weren't in the studio. Has your concern regarding the pandemic gone up over the last two weeks? My personal concern hasn't gone up, but my concern on how the pandemic, pandemic is going to affect sports has gone up. 
What about your concern on how the pandemic is going to impact daily life over the next six months to a year? Has that gone up from two weeks ago? No, it's all the same for me. Really? I think, surprisingly. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think if you're healthy and you can get out and about. and Yeah, but I wasn't, that's not what I was at. I was asking about, like, how it's going to impact ways of life. That's oh. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, cause I don't look at you and go, oh, Pete might get taken out by COVID. Right. So, I mean, like, just as far as sports are concerned? No, or no, no, like no, no, Going to just restaurants general. and shit. Just in general. Like, the economy, going well, to restaurants yeah, and yeah, shit, I mean, which would fall into that umbrella. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think it's going in the right direction right, right. now, so definitely yeah. feel worse about it. And it's interesting to me because in order to know this, if like if you're reading right now, you know this. But I think a lot of people have just tuned it out and they formed their opinion in March. It seems to me along whether they're pro Donald Trump or not, <laughs> yeah. or pro Republican or pro Democrat, that is where it seems for the most part, I guess there would be some people who would be in the middle there, but God, not many. That's my impression. And as you read, and this isn't just like take your pick of whatever liberal thing you want to attribute to, Wall Street Journal, Fox News, Chris Wallace wasn't in this week. Another gentleman was in hosting for him, but I mean, that was the main topic. And it wasn't like they're like, all these liberal outlets are saying the numbers, come. that was their topic. That I think people have tuned it out. Um... And I'm way more concerned, actually, than I was a month ago for sure. Two weeks might be kind of when I was starting to, but 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 certainly a month ago, not even because I was all excited. Like they had the uh, Lake of the Ozarks pictures for Memorial Day weekend. I'm like, oh my god, this could be a disaster, and then everything was cool, relatively speaking. So I don't know. I hope I get my things are cool again because I felt like things had kind of calmed down. I thought. So anyway, with that said. Uh, is Fauci going to become a villain? I think he already is a villain for a, a portion of the people who would be considered pro-Trump. Would you agree with that, Gangster Pete? Uh, yeah, I know certain people that... Is this on your text chain with the one guy who... Yeah, the I one... Wanna, can I just, like, see screenshots of this? Because <laughs> you guys are all probably not like that. No, we're not. And so we're... it has to just really stand out. And I think... I actually think there's more people in the middle than the media would lead you to believe. Middle on what part? Just, I think they make it... You like you're saying it's like divided on party lines, and so depending on where you get your news from, it seems like it's either this or that. And I think a lot of people are in the middle. See, I don't think most people are even reading about it anymore. That's really? what I think. That's what I think. Yeah, well, I know my friends are, but that might not be representative. Yeah, and I think your friends, and I say this as a compliment. I think your friends are, you know, I mean, they're people who would be reading. Sup, friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're not, then you're probably completely unaware of it. And so I, you know, going into Deerberg's over the weekend, as I said, everyone was wearing a mask minus one woman. And it wasn't like, I'm like, I'm going to hold everyone accountable. I just was in there and I had to run in and get some stuff real quickly. And everyone was wearing a mask. And so when I hear these stories about nobody wearing a mask, I'm like, I don't know where, you know, I don't, I guess it's got to be going on, but I don't know. Now, why are you doing a head movement? <laughs> it's crossed the river, pal. <laughs> I, I just haven't gone many places. St. Charles County. Is that where people... So if I went to Deerberg's in St. Charles, you think I would see fewer masks? Yes, definitely. Oh, you you ship that one. Well, unless they... I mean, like, this schnook's right here in Kirkwood. I know that they have a strict policy. Like, oh, do they can't really? come in without the mask. So I, I don't know if Deerberg's is doing that or but, not. But, I mean, I've gone to the grocery store, I guess, five or six times. But since. if it's an option, it'd definitely be less. Yeah. Okay. I, I So that's the thing. So I'm like, I don't know where this is going on. But, I, I mean, I, it's not like I think people are making it up that people aren't wearing masks. Um, 
the, the premise of the question was, is Fauci going to become a villain? I think it, for some people he already is. Uh, he said his job was to make us all overreact. Uh, no, that is actually not what he said, at least what I saw him say, uh, to, uh, to, be, to be clear. But it's somewhat semantics. Uh, what he said was, your goal is at the other side of it for people to say you, as in Fauci, overreacted. That's what you want people to say on the other side of it, because what that means is it didn't come to the worst case scenario projections. That's what you want, if that makes sense. My head and shoulders dandruff commercial is what I use for something like this, because it like triggers that part of the mind <laughs> where the woman says, you use head and shoulders, but you don't have dandruff. Exactly. And it's just this moment of zen uh, so yes, uh, on that, uh, did we overreact? I don't think you can speak in past tense, but I think for some people, maybe that's where they are. And I, and as I always say, I hope they're right. And I kind of was getting, okay, this thing is, everything's going to be back, you know, and here we go. And then it's like, oh shit, but I don't know. Uh, has COVID done anything to restore your faith in humanity? The opposite, opposite, insta ship. <laughs> Instaship, and, 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 and here's where I am on it. Not necessarily like a judgment of humanity, so much of uh, an observation that, holy shit, things will, even something like this, will fall upon political lines. Uh, and, and again, not across the board, but it's, 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 it's scary to me. Uh, another theme of the podcast over the last few months is I saw a question as I was browsing TMZ this weekend, Gangster Pete. I know you send wonderful links for TMA every uh, day I browse TMZ. And one of the poll questions this week on TMZ is, do you think things are going to get better the rest of 2020? Or do you think things are going to get worse? And I'm like, oh my God, ship the roll on worse because we have an election. If we didn't have the election, I would might say, because I think the election, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, it, I just think it's going to be, and, and you know, I guess... If Trump does stay on the ticket and if he loses, it will be blamed on, if they do have it, mail-in voting. Uh, if he doesn't win and it's freezing and then people don't want to go outside in pandemic, then you have that element of it. I mean, either way, it's just going to be, because I, like I said, I think there are people right now who are just probably many in our audience who are just under the impression he is going to win. And like me giving those numbers, we're like, oh, that's fake. It's like, well, this is what Bovada is saying, but I also would point this out. Bovada had uh, Hillary Clinton is like minus 1,000 or something or minus 500 on the night of the election. So just because of the Bovada numbers, but Bovada also had Trump as minus 160 in January or February. So, you know, take it for what it's worth, but these are actual numbers. But I just think no matter what, you're going to have people going into the election stunned that with the outcome. And it'll be going against either President Trump or Joe Biden. And they'll be stunned by it. And that's what I think will then. And then should President Trump lose, I mean, you just, you're just you not going to get a, a gracious speech. It's just not the way it's going to go. Uh, and then that's going to incite the people who love him. And I think you're going to have all hell break loose. Should Joe, should Joe Biden lose? You're, you might have a quote-unquote gracious speech, probably not as gracious as take your pick of gracious speeches pre-2016, Mitt Romney, John McCain. Uh, I don't remember John Kerry's speech, and obviously there wasn't a speech for Al Gore and George W. Bush the night of the election, or I guess maybe there was one and then there was another one, 
but uh, you're not going to have you're not going to have that. But it would be perhaps more gracious than President Trump's. But either way, you're going to have people going batshit that there's going to be four more years of President Trump. So either way, you're going to have people going batshit and thinking that it was rigged. And so you're going to have all hell break loose. And, and I, just, I don't see any way around it, actually. I don't see any way around it. I don't see any way around that. I have no idea how it doesn't happen. You're bumming me out, man. But, do you, but because you agree with me, yeah. right? Because I, mean, I, you, I, mean, I lay it out, points, you see it. But, yeah, you know, it bums me out. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, holy shit, and we might have the pandemic still going on. And by the way, and here's another thing, and I hate to bum people out. It's not one, but I just, this is my forum to just kind of speak as bluntly as possible. This situation sucks right now, and it's 80, 90 degrees out, and you can go out, and you can play golf, and you can go outside. I think some people are starting to come to the realization that this is not going to be over by the time it starts getting cold. And what's that going to be like? I, and, and I mean, that's the, that that's something that is. <laughs> you, I need college football, man. If I don't get college football, I'm going to lose my shit. I I don't I don't want to bet against you because I want college football as well. But then I don't want to be betting against my own financial interests. It's like, all right, I'll bet you hundred dollars won't be college football. Right. But, but I mean, I just don't know how there's going to be college football. Man, they had. I just started watching a replay of like an S, random SEC game the other Isn't day. Isn't the best? And I was just like, oh my god, it's like, the best because it's a Saturday. You're yes. probably drinking. You're having some delicious treats. You're gambling. <laughs> I mean, you got dopamine everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting there talking to my buddy. We we're just pointing out all the cool shit on TV. Oh. It's like, oh, look at the colors. Look at the yeah. fans. Like, oh, we could have bet on that. I mean, oh man. And I hope, but then at the same time, there's some people hear me say this. Oh my God, you're just, you know, and I'm like, no, this is what I think. And it's, it's kind of, kind of consistent, but I don't want it to be this way. I just don't know how in the hell you're going to, but I mean, Hey, maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Maybe, the, but you know, it's not like you have a professional sports organization where it's next man up and now you get your chance to play in the major leagues. I just don't know. I mean, I mean, God, is, is that available to bet online if there'll be a college football season? I, would, I, 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 I bet would, you could somewhere. But I want it, so I don't want to bet against it. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, but God almighty, I'll just for the hell of it, I'll look it up. Let's see what I'm sure I have a spot to do. Oh, Design Air Heating and Cooling. DesignAirService.com. Seth Goldcamp. He's a wonderful gentleman. Our air conditioning went out a couple weeks ago, and I was, uh, I was uh, panicking. And what happened? Well, Seth Goldcamp came by, and, uh, well, one of his staffers came by, and they tended to it within an hour. I mean, all within an hour. It went out, and within an hour, it was fixed. And uh, they've been doing this with uh, so many of our listeners, so I can tell you that they will take great care of you. It's uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. Design Air Heating and Cooling, uh, Seth Goldcamp, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, in addition to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, and finally, Jim Rogers, Restoration one daddy padre called in fresh off his spit and chicklets cup win and said jim rogers was out at his place fixing some things restoration one of st louis of uh, central st louis restoration one of central st louis would like to remind you that your home is more than likely the most expensive asset you own and with the onset of high humidity and summer storms uh make sure that you're checking to keep water or dampness out of your home and if you do have it then go to restoration one of central st louis.com for more information call 314-888 5266. That's 314-888-5266 with questions or concerns you may have, or you can go online at restoration, the number one of centralstlouis.com. When it comes to mold remediation, Jack is home. I do not see odds on Bovada for whether or not they play football, college football. I see odds for the NFL, 
but I do not see odds for whether or not they play. Do you see anything, Gangster Pete? Uh, I see stuff about whether or not there'll be fans. But no, not really. No, no, all right. Listen, I hope. And I see, I, I, I'm betting on baseball playing. Obviously, golf is playing. The NHL, boy, I don't know where to go on that one. What do you think on that? I think they have the most cool setup for their plan yeah. to come back, so I'd really like to see that one. Uh, I mean, I in a monster way, hope. But college football, I just don't know how. So uh, do with it what you want. You can email me. More questions, more opinions, more thoughts. Everything is welcome. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show podcast. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.